Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn. This is a premium podcast. If you're listening on focuscompound.com slash app and you do not know, um, we actually have the app that's live now, both on Google Play and iOS. I'm going to upload a video to send to people just really demoing it out so you could see because I've gotten a couple emails recently, people saying that they're not seeing our content. Right. If you're logged in through the app, through the username that you created at focuscompound.com slash app, um, it's all there. So it's all available. Okay. I don't know. Like, for example, for the videos, it's you have to click a PDF and then it'll open the PDF and then the link is in there to an unlisted video. Um, that's just the way that the app was created by our podcast hosting company. So I'm going to do a video, uh, just walking through it. It's very simple. You should be getting notifications every time we upload. So that's a lot of fun. And we just want to thank everybody for supporting the cause and being a premium app subscriber. And we're trying to make it as best as possible because you do pay for that. Uh, Jeff, how are we doing today? I didn't, I didn't introduce you. Uh, we're doing well. We're doing well. So let's do a free-flowing conversation. Okay. Let's just start. I mean, 2020, mm-hmm. been kind of wild. We can talk about whatever we want here because we're not monetizing. That's what I'm saying. We're, we're <laughs> okay, uh, monetizing okay. it. This is <laughs> private. This is very... When I say private, it's like just as easy to put out there if you say something. But so 2020 was wild. We... So far, right? Um, we had a lot of plans for certain trips and stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, that got sidelined when yep. everything started to you know shut down. Take me through your eyes. So let's go back to, you know, February, for example, we started okay. hearing about COVID and this potential for, you know, this new disease. I mean, right. what were your thoughts on um, that? Were you following it? I mean, was it really when things started to shut down where you're like, holy cow, this is actually happening? I mean, do no. you remember? I mean, that feels like that part 20 was, years ago, right? No, that part I wasn't surprised by when it uh, shut down. So we actually talked a little bit before. I don't know if you remember this, where we were talking, someone was like, I think we should plan for remote. Yeah. And you're like, why are you planning on... Uh, I was surprised you said it, not going to lie. Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> but, it wasn't that, but it turned out to be like a week or so before that, to give you an idea... Why don't we go and buy change. some credit default swaps and stuff? Yeah, uh, to give you an idea of how much things changed, I was like, I think we should, you know, start preparing um, for like the possibility of remote just as a, you know, contingency plan or whatever. And... Um, I mean, I think you you were like, oh, why are we doing that? So it wasn't like, oh, because of the virus, that that's why mm. we're definitely going to be doing that. But um, that, yeah, there could be restrictions put in place and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that did happen. And then it changed in like a week. Because it did happen. It yeah, was it like there were, you know, government orders about not, you know. That's when like it's, we hit peak fear. Yeah, exactly. I was probably, I was, I probably talked to you about that stuff right before they, uh, like within a week of when they canceled the, NCA stuff and all that stuff and what else was it? Um, was that yeah? It was like what well, really Hanks started it though was with oil, oil crash, yes. and then like yeah. everything crashed. That mm-hmm. was sort of like the leading domino, right? That happened kind of at the same time because there was also the falling apart of like agreement on that between Russia and mm-hmm. OPEC. Yeah, yeah. So that started to happen, and uh, you know the whole world was <laughs> coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Um. You always you you've actually been kind of on point when you talked about COVID privately on you know how much okay. how many people you think like deaths and stuff like that. You yeah, I don't talk about. I try not to that. talk about that publicly and stuff. But yeah, I sat down and did some. I think you always said like you thought like two hundred to a couple hundred thousand people. Yeah, I I've said I think what I've said basically is um, I didn't see how it was likely to be outside of a range of 
no less than 130,000 in the US and no more than 1.3 million. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much regardless early on of like, because you didn't know what things people were going to do to stop the spread of it. But you kind of said, okay, well, how much could it get up to and how low could it go? And yeah, I mean, that's that's sad and stuff. But it is true that when they were like 100 people dead or something, I was like, well, I don't see how it can't be a thousand times worse eventually. Because it had already spread so far, mm-hmm. you know, by that point, we'd already known that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of curious, any lessons? Uh, points of reflection <laughs> where they said never let a good crisis go to waste? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess we let a good crisis go to waste. Um mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, uh, we certainly could have, I mean, for, in terms of purchases that we could have done, we certainly could have gotten more volume of things. I don't know if like it would have been a lot different prices that we could have gotten on stuff or like totally different stocks. I don't know that about that, but there was definitely a point where a week or so, I'd say a week, there was a week of pure panic and stuff. What mm-hmm. was it like the third week in March or something like that? Yeah. Where some stuff was just, yeah. yeah. And so there was some stuff where I bet that we could have gotten many times the volume that's normally available in those stocks. And so we could have made much bigger purchases and there's some, there's a block or something, things like that. So, um, we could have done that. I would say is that you could have had volume. Um, it wasn't so much that it was just down. We have down days sometimes in stocks, but that you had so much volume in the things mm-hmm. that we do now for the average person, investing in bigger stocks and things, it was much easier to, to take advantage of that, obviously, because you're not in illiquid things. So um, they move a lot in price. It didn't really matter if it was liquid or illiquid at that point, because yeah, um, when people say something's liquid, if the whole market's down 10% or something, you know, the bid ask spread, like you could get rid of anything at 10% loss in normal times. So mm-hmm. it, that there's effectively no benefit to having liquidity and stuff when you're in a situation like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you think it's really the opportunity to get larger blocks for us because there was peak fear where people are just dumping everything. You know? Right. But then we're concerned about stuff when that's happening, obviously. So we're thinking, Oh, um, you know, what kind of risks are there of things and stuff like that? Solvency. Yeah. Especially in smaller companies where they may not have the access to capital that the larger ones do. Yeah. I mean, so it's obvious, but like when I talk about opportunities that we could have bought, larger amounts of things and blocks of things and stuff, we would have had to be buying them in things that were the government had shut down. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, like by that point, it had been shut down for a week or two or whatever, uh, like a week, I guess. And um, that they had didn't know when they would reopen or mm-hmm. whatever. So that, um, you know, that's the risk that people face at that time. And there's a lot of uncertainty with that. And then, you know, the Fed acted and that's what made people a lot more comfortable with it. The interesting thing is too, and you've given this as an example when people have asked, is your strategy worse than larger companies because, mm-hmm. you know, let's call it micro to small caps and especially illiquid ones haven't bounced back as much as the market has, right? They're like, does that ruin your strategy or make a case against your strategy? And you were like, no, I think it's great because that means there's more opportunities here. Yes. You know, so mm-hmm. it's interesting because a lot of the companies that I've looked at that even are on our radar, they haven't bounced back as much, you know? That's true, yeah. Um, which, if you own them, that could be frustrating if the markets have, you know, gone up or whatever. But if if you have fresh capital or whatever, it could be an interesting opportunity, right? you know, to put money to work. I mean, I don't know when there's ever been a more rapid ascent back up. So if we think about it in terms of the market and stuff like that, I... It was from a low point, obviously. So when you average it out for the full year and stuff, you're not going to look like, oh, this is the most amazing year ever and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the speed in terms of how fast stocks were going up 
means that I think like big liquid stocks are going to outperform small illiquid ones during that period. Mm-hmm. They might not in later periods, but I mean, if money's just pouring into the market at that point, just like it was just pouring, being sucked out of the market, um, then those things are obviously going to outperform. I don't see how we could ever match or outperform in times where things are going up, you know, by that rate each month. Should you always assume that the government is going to step in in periods of crisis like like we mm-hmm. had, right? It's like so now, you know, they've really turned the engines on a couple times here to, you know, help the economy when there's, um, you know, shit hitting the fan. So I'm just yeah. curious, like for like future events that happen, right? And it may not be COVID. It may not be. Who mm-hmm. knows what it is? Should you, you know, at some point, you know, close your eyes and start buying if you feel like the company's not going to go out of business because the government's going to step in and do what they have done a couple times now. Well, back in 08. That's interesting. Yes, the government did step in and stuff. Also, though, there's been a ton of bankruptcies. Absolutely. So that's the solvency part. <laughs> so, yeah, totally. yeah, but I mean, and the government didn't bail them out. Yeah. I mean, the government bailed out certain industries, right? Mm-hmm. But the government did not bail out, the government did not in any way bail out the shareholders of department stores, uh, different retail things. It's like, where's that fine line, though? Some people will be like, oh, well, COVID was sort of the nail in the coffin. But it's at the same time, this business has been declining for the past 10 to 15 years. Sure. Well, we talked about, I mean, my, my concern with airlines is that they'll bail them out. My next question was going to yeah. be, should we nationalize airlines? Right. That's, yeah. Because they didn't provide more funding to them. And I think now American Airlines is laying off 25,000 people. And I think uh, right. United is going to as well, but it's just like. But a couple so of we, we spent a take, lot of money. Yeah, a couple of airlines them. didn't take the. I think are aren't going to take the latest amount of money. So they there's some pri- there's some um, private sector sources of financing, I guess, from that. If any of them aren't taking it, like I think I'd heard that Southwest was talking about not doing it, which would mean that they have financing lined up from private sources at this point. Um, but they wouldn't have ever made it this far without government support anyway. And of course they would have made it further than other airlines. They were in a little bit better position at that point. So yeah, everyone, all the airlines would be out of business if it wasn't for the government. I just wonder like at what point will we actually see like the ripple effects of, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that has happened this year, because again, in the real world, we're seeing them and we are in the real world. And then there's people up on stage <laughs> in power or whatever that say, well, the market, the market, the market, the market. Right. And it's not a reflection of the economy. And sure. if we had an index on the United States, it'd probably be down, you know, 20, 30%. Right. I'm just throwing numbers out there. Mm-hmm. It would be down. So I'm just curious, like, when do you see the ripple effects start to happen and like sort of things start to come back to reality or does that never happen because of the liquidity, because rates are low, because you know, the SP 500 are the most dominant businesses in the world. Um, So it's like, they've been almost strengthened through this, you know, I mean, does that happen? Well, I mean, statistics, I mean like mathematically wherever there gets to be an issue, which is that, um, basically you benefited from cuts and things to thing to uh, lower rates and things, but you won't have those continue to happen. So unless they continue to happen, you're just going to get the result that's happening in in the underlying businesses after that point. So I mean, we did a thing where we talked about a little bit um, where I said like it's the the change in the cap rate effectively. It's the change in the multiple that you're getting. So if you know if people believe that you should go from something being worth 10 times EBITDA to 15 and they think the business is now producing two thirds of what it used to be. It's flat. 
mm-hmm. right? So the market isn't disagreeing. It's saying, yeah, the business is worth one third less than it used to be, but then cash flows. But cash flows are now worth 50% more. I'll pay 50% more for cash flows now, you know, because there's so little alternatives that they could get, you know. Mm-hmm. Where do you think people should be focusing their time today? I have uh, one that most people don't like that I like. I think American banks yeah. uh, are the one that interests me the most. Um, Why is you, that? For example, the Fed last mm-hmm. week, they're not going to allow them to buy back more stock, right? They True. said that. Yes. Yeah. The Fed for big banks and said they won't be able to buy back stock. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah. I mean, yeah. But they will be able to buy it back eventually. And that's not a bad thing if they really need to grow their balance sheet. What will be a problem is if they, the Fed tells them that and then they just get grossly overcapitalized. Uh-huh. But the logical thing would be for the Fed to tell them they can't do that and also to at the same time relax leverage stuff to be like go, uh, go crazy with leverage if you want to. Um, I think the reason why I think it's interesting, we talked about some of them and stuff. Um, compared to the market now, they're they're earnings their their PEs and stuff are going to be very low even you know considering that they might be making Banks. a little less money yeah yeah, yeah. But, but i mean especially low versus the market yeah absolutely yeah cuz the market's PEs probably going to look higher too right yeah. so the the multiples on those sorts of things are going um up for the rest of the market and then down for these things and there's so many examples that we could give of things that the growth stock that people like is not actually growing faster than some banks that you can find you know, or like the, and the PE is a lot higher and things like that. There's just also so many banks that you could find some that you really like. And we've talked about that before, but there are banks out there that you can find that do grow and all that. I just wonder if I was on a island mm-hmm. and I had no access to internet, right? phone, nothing since the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. If you were to write me a letter and describe the current situation, I mean, what would you say? that's a really good question. Um, I would say, to be honest, I don't think there was very good. I I don't think that the, the sentiment of the market set was very accurate in predicting big drops and things or now either. I kind of have doubts on either one of them. So that's the problem. It's been very, um, it's not just the market. It's overall people's public things and stuff like that. Um, just their perception about, I mean, we could get into all sorts of things about COVID and things and stuff, but just like whether it's this certain precautions people take the way they do their life or whatever, they just start copying what everyone else is doing. And that's what they take safety from or not without any idea of whether there's underlying ideas that that make sense or not. You know, um, everyone is very willing to act together on those things. Mm -hmm. And so I guess if I was sending you a letter or whatever, from like a financial perspective, um, I would talk about what had happened in that year and that the market and not really focus on the market response to it either way. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, that's what everyone's very worked up about, right. Is like this idea that you had, the world was about to end or we thought it was about to end or whatever. And then you went back from that to everything's, uh, great. And, um, I don't know that those two really have anything to do with each other. I don't think that the, that the perception that people have now is, um, necessarily really predicting the future, you know? Mm-hmm. How do you think about sort of the odds or handicap certain things 
because it is a presidential election and we're yeah. not we don't we're not talking politics okay. but i'm just curious from like a financial perspective sure you know so i, I mean, mean like do you think corporate taxes let's say trump is reelected? Uh-huh. i'm not saying you want them okay. to or not do you think they'll stay where they are do they have to go up you know i mean biden has said <laughs> do they have to? biden has said he's going to raise rate or tax sure. rates if you know sure. if he gets elected i'm just curious from um, like the investor standpoint how do you handicap that sure so that's important um we've talked to members of companies that we own and they're like oh we benefited incredibly from the tax cuts i mean just like every business but right. i'm just saying you know so we can do the probability so let's say that you would raise rates from uh tw- from about 20 percent to about 35 percent or something let's just use that number so that's about 15 percent increase what are the chances that he wins the election and stuff let's say they're you know 80 percent chance that he wins or something like that um so if if we give him Is that a hypothetical or do you think that if we as of the time that we're recording this, 80, uh, maybe 70, 80%, yeah, 70, 80% chance that he, he would win the election, yeah. Biden? Biden, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, but not higher than that, though. Mm. I mean, it would be very hard to, for I mean, to ever give you higher than that in a, you know, two-party whatever thing that we have. But, um, <laughs> whatever thing that we have. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't remember the last one that, the I honestly can't, I maybe 2008. There was an eighty percent chance that Obama would win. That you could predict that going into mm-hmm. the election, but but other than that, nothing since two thousand has that happened. And you'd have to go back to nineteen ninety six before you have one like that. Um, so let's say eighty percent chance or whatever. Okay. So um, and then let's say what's the chance that he actually has the Congress that he needs and can pass it? Maybe fifty fifty, right? So you do the math on that and what is that five six percent when you adjust it for the probabilities increase in, in, you know in tax in your tax rate being five or six percent higher mm-hmm. so in other words should you look at a company now and say it has a 26 percent tax rate instead of 21 percent? maybe mm-hmm. if you believe those numbers that i said i guess that's what the math works out to you should treat it that way so like when looking at someone like biden that mm-hmm. is for clean energy and has okay. said that he's going to you know right. certain changes and stuff to promote that mm-hmm. How would you factor that in for like a company like NACO? Yeah, it does affect things like that. Sure. I mean, because they appoint people to EPA and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's something that you do think about. Like, uh, yeah, my that. general philosophy on the, the politics stuff is it actually doesn't matter as much what the party that wants to do, whatever it is you're, you don't want or whatever, what their beliefs are. What matters more is what the moderate side of the other party wants. So in other words, it's a much bigger issue on climate change. It doesn't really matter what the Democrats want on climate change. Mm. What matters is how many Republicans are somewhat receptive to climate change. And that's the sort of thing that shifts over time so that there's a consensus that builds on it. It's usually very hard to have like a 50-50. It happens sometimes. Like Obamacare is a good example. Obamacare is a thing where the country, the um, government, whatever, was almost 50-50 divided. And yet it was a big deal change to Mm. policy, domestic policy that affected business. That kind of thing is really kind of not that common, I'd say. You know, usually it's much more likely that there are things like, um, I mean, these most recent tax cuts, I guess, had similarities to that. But if you go back to like the 90s and stuff, it's more like you had Democrats who were kind of pro-business and stuff. And that's why you're able to pass those kinds of things. Um, I think generally that's like the thing you have to watch out more for. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried about, and that is shifting. So I definitely think there are way more Republicans now um, who over time in different parts of the country, not all in the federal government, but like in state and stuff, um, who are much more concerned about clean energy and wind and solar and stuff as being 
things that they are for, mm. um, those are the people they have to focus in more on. Yeah. Do you expect more volatility going into the end of the year because of sort of a, we have an election B the state of everything C does, is are like COVID rates going to start to go up again because we're entering, you know, colder weather and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just kind of curious. We don't have a lot are. of details on COVID and how it works and stuff, obviously. Um, I would have expected kind of the pattern that we've seen, right? So like seasonally that you'd expect that kind of thing. And then you also have the loosening, tightening thing where whenever rates go down and stuff, people will loosen up. And then whenever they go up, they'll tighten up even if that doesn't, you know, their behavior, even if that causes like a cycle that, you know, media reports and things like it lags, right? Mm. Um, I don't know. I would guess just more volatility because volatility is not been that high lately i mean well stocks have been down a bunch so some big stocks like mm-hmm. fang type stocks yeah, are down, down like 30 percent. yeah they're down a lot from the top um but in general would you say it's been particularly volatile it's not very no, volatile. Uh, no absolutely not yeah so i wouldn't say it's it wouldn't be take much to have some more volatility yeah. have you read any good books recently business books have i read any good I'm looking at home depot over there oh yeah home depot yeah um uh i will recommend a (laughs) video series uh it's not as good as some books but it's actually one of the best business things i've seen as an actual video thing it is um american playboy there's nudity oh is that the one on um amazon prime yes I love that. I saw a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Hugh Hefner one? it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like from, from three years ago or whatever. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And I will, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're going public. Yes. Yeah, so playboy, playboy is through a SPAC. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this a couple of years ago. Yeah. I love that. I actually thought it was surprisingly well done. It was cool. Yeah. Like when they were going back to, when they opened up their, their clubs and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So, um, yeah. They, and so the company doesn't have a lot to do with what you're going to see in that, um, story because that story is really up to their high point and stuff, which was about the time where they lost the casinos and things like yeah. that. So yeah, um, but it's really and and they rush through the end, which I'm glad. You know, so just so people know, like it's not like you're going to see a lot of that. Was the girl next door? Was that reality yeah, series? That, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So it's not you are not going to see a lot of his last years and stuff. It gets pretty quickly into he founds Playboy, uh, the magazine, up to like maybe 1990 or so. So uh-huh. it's really like you know. Um, the fifties to the, to about not that much beyond 90. Um, and then it, you know, quickly does the rest of it. So it's, it's, you know, um, good about all of those sorts of things, the magazine, the, um, the clubs, casinos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that kind of thing. And it does his, I've seen the Playboy mansion in Chicago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's actually for sale. I think it's been for sale for a while. Yeah. Let's see. But anyway, these are usually awful. Uh-huh. I would say, don't you find that like any business thing that's like yeah. a TV no, or whatever is thing is, is usually terrible. I love vintage stuff too. Yeah. And it, like, they really set the mood, you know, like it's like, I feel like it's almost just like smoky and he's just it was know, very mad drinking that, a yeah, coffee you, and smoking cigarettes yeah, if, all day. If you like that stuff. Uh, <laughs> Hacking yeah. darts. And the um, furniture and stuff that he was yeah. into. Yeah. Um, but it honestly, I mean, like you have to, it's not a book, so you have to really pay attention to what they're saying Mm -hmm. and stuff to figure it out. But you're like, oh, wow. Like, so at this, so while you're listening to and stuff, you're like, okay, so at this point, like I said, with the casinos at this point, like all the company's profits are coming from the casinos. They must be losing money on like the magazine and all this other stuff, but they're letting it still go that way. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I thought it was really good. You know, it's interesting. And this is just totally my opinion. So obviously like Playboy for the time was incredibly edgy. Sure. And then like, it's just like a lot of this stuff is so cyclical because I feel like then we went through this like more political correctness type mm-hmm. thing. And now I feel like good media or maybe, and maybe it is because of our president, right? right. People do value I was going to say authenticity. I'm not saying Trump's always authentic, but I'm just saying like more like real, you know what I'm saying? More edgy, more sure. real, more, <laughs> you know, I maybe he's the wrong example, but you look at like a bar school sports or just more, it's almost like they're trying to connect more with the consumer, right? you know, but it went from like Hefner being very criticized for being this edgier, you know, there's nudity and stuff like mm-hmm. that to very much more straight lace. And now I feel like we're kind of headed back into that content and maybe it's right. podcasting and stuff like for example podcasting is like podcasting it's very is like real. magazines that way yeah but you're connecting with the people right because you have very specific kind of editorial slant and stuff to it yeah no i think what you're saying is absolutely true because people listen to the podcast because of you you know yeah but what happens with these things of course is that the from an economic perspective if you get very big um and if you have advertisers your incentive is to be very um, non-controversial, mm-hmm. very much so. So, like when the country was covered by a lot, and this is you know after World War II till before the 1990s or so, the a lot of the world, a lot of the United States is um, really getting its news from daily newspapers, of which there are one or two, and in many, in, in more and more cities, it's becoming one paper. Your incentives there are to be very much uh, ob- objective. But also not to give any real editorial slant, not to give any real views that you have and everything, which are very different from something trying to compete on the magazine rack with all those Mm -hmm. other things and stuff. So I agree with that with like podcasts and things where there's a wide open sort of thing like that, that you try to zero in on your particular audience and also the distribution of it, which is that even take Barstool Sports or something. This is something that I think people overlook. But the reason why content on the Internet can be this way is because actually you're all aiming for a very small slice of the possible potential audience. So if you're trying to get 5 million people, but you can get 2.5 million of those from outside the United States and 2.5 million from inside the United States, okay, you're aiming for a tiny, I mean, you're aiming for 19 out of 20 households ignoring you, mm-hmm. right? Sure, yeah. Whereas if you were a daily newspaper, you're aiming for half of those households better be buying your newspaper, uh-huh. you know? Um, so it's a huge change that way. And it, it works that way, like for niche content for us or whatever, where we can provide things that are like, whether they're, um, uh, it, it's like, it can be extremely niche because like I said, half of your audience can come from like the rest of the world and stuff. Whereas if we were just trying to do something for um, a particular town, then you have to be more of a general interest sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I think that that's true. I think the yeah. the biggest thing is having the following too, because if you have followers that you know are loyal and like what you put out and stuff like mm-hmm. that, it will go with you to different stuff. Or if you create an app where you say, "Hey, we're gonna do more exclusive stuff here," and you sign up, you know that's like the key to a lot of it. You know? Yeah, and like that series, um, you know, you could see that the brand they end up making so much money from the brand eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, initially the magazine was incredibly successful and stuff, and they've just stuck to that. They would have made a lot of money. That obviously. I think they ran into trouble, well. though. And then yeah. the son is now running the company. I think he turned it around. I was reading an article on Forbes a couple of years ago about him. Oh, yeah? Playboy on brand. him? Yeah. yeah. I I, Cooper Hefner, I think is his Yeah, name. well, you can see that we have the filing. I read the filing. I mean, I've read part <laughs> of the filing for, <laughs> Jeff for um, <laughs> Playboy there. It's a completely different business mix. 
So it's not really very media based. It is very Asian um, based. Actually, I also mentioned why I did this. Um, bef- so I had seen that they were going to do a SPAC or whatever. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, that's. Um, did you binge I, it all in a day? I ignored it. Yeah. I binged nice. it all day. But I ignored it when they did that. I didn't think about it and stuff. But then I had noticed what was very odd to me is that um, before that happened, so not after I had seen that they were going to do a SPAC, but what stood out in my mind was I had seen some people who were, some guys who were younger than you, quite a bit younger, um, who had uh, the Playboy Bunny on their, uh, like on their shorts or on something like that. And I was like, about? Yes. Wow. And I thought this was, and I thought this was so odd. Um, I don't mean together or something. I just mean that I saw this two or three times in a matter of like two weeks. Because I just think of the brand as be, like the actual brand as being from about my generation down uh, through yours and stuff to the modern time, uh, 35, 35. Um, as just not being much of a brand, mm-hmm. even though it did exist in a thing that, that people were um, watching Playboy Channel or whatever for nudity and things, I did not think of it as having the brand cachet that it did, um, uh, what is it now, about 50 years ago. So in the first like 20 years of his existence or so, even longer than that, mm-hmm. um, it really did, you know, maybe 30, 35 years. It really did when we're talking about the um, clubs and the casinos and things. You could brand other things that way. Mm-hmm. And it really had um, something other than just that this is something that's showing nudity. Our and I did not. Down. So we can't pull it up. Okay. I'll try to disconnect and reconnect it. Um, but I just didn't. So I noticed that I was like, oh, I wonder if this brand has any relevance at all today in a way that I didn't realize because I assumed not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously still iconic and stuff that way. I know that it's somewhat uh, the only place that I know the brand has kind of still had any brand uh, value. So it's been Asia. Really? Yeah. I now, wonder, like, what are they? Where does uh, a lot so of the their com- revenue oh, come from? What is it? Does it show does you it now? Like enterprises? Is yeah. I was wondering if they put that on the name yet, or if you have to look it up under the. Nope, no, that's the old filing. So yeah, you have to Google what it is. It's um, uh, the SPAC is yeah, but you got to look up on the company name, which is something like that's not Mountain or something, but it's something weird. Uh, like you know whatever the random name is. Let's see. What? Nope. Um. Uh, there we go. Mountain Crest acquisition. So Mountain Crest. If you look M-C-A-C. that up. C A C. But they also bought some stuff that would actually be um, bought more, more by women and stuff like that. So let's see where it is. The um, It's in the... Perspectives? Yeah, the go no, no, that's the old perspective. So go up to that one. It's either the first or second one. It might be the second one down, actually. They might have... So we'll try this. Yeah, this yeah, is too short. Go one. to the second one. So this is the DEFA 14A for what date are we looking at? 2020-1001. So October 01, is this the one that has it or not? I don't know. This is just the no. earnings call. Oh, let's go back. All right. So maybe you had to go. Oh, maybe it's in the 8K. Maybe it's this one. Oh, this, yeah, one. this okay. one. Okay. Yeah, it is. Okay. So here we go. Playboy Animal. Yeah. So if you go, wait, there's, you could just look at the presentation probably. So here's the full one. So if we, uh, what is that? That's the exhibit two of the one filed on the first, uh-huh. but it's what is the filing? The, oh, it was still October 1st. So yeah. it's still the October 1st one. So you click that? The very first one. Yeah. So, and then if we look 90, let's try 99.1 maybe. What are those? Okay. Playboy to become a public company. All right, That's let's try 99.2. Two. Exhibit 99.2. There you yes. go. Yes. So 99.2 has the investor presentation. Um, so maybe that's where you want to start if you want to look at this. Um, 
And then if you go down, we can see... like fun to do research on. Yeah. So if you go down... But like this is what I mean. So when we talk about the decline of the brand and stuff, we've looked at things that are like strip clubs and stuff. Yeah. Well, Playboy isn't involved in the... You know, I mean, like the brand could have value in other things. It's not just that, oh, magazines went down and cable went down because of the internet. You know, mm-hmm. like the magazine was ruined by cable coming on. And then the um, they're run by like uh, private equity people, right? So oh. they're over from private equity. Yeah. So there you go. So this example, which is true, 97% global unaided brand awareness. So in other words, people know what um, Playboy is. The one that was weird is the 60-40. Yeah, but I think that's because they have this lingerie business. Um, But so the men's apparel brand in China, that's where I thought that their brand had some um, value that way. Are we going to buy us back? I don't think we'll be buying this one given the price and stuff that you'll see in a second. But they're guiding for a hundred million dollars of adjusted EBITDA five years from now. But if we go down and look at what they have now there, let's see what their goal is. Um, they're doubling it. Wait, no, I just, I'm curious what, what's 2018 look like, you know, it's like, are they yeah. picking the numbers? So for people listening, it's just like, we're looking at the revenue and they only show from 2019 actual right. to what they're estimating for 2020 and 2019 was 78.2 million. And they're estimating what's that 68% compounded growth to 131 yeah. million. It's like, why are you only giving us one year? Yeah. And they mentioned by executing organic and inorganic strategies, yes. meaning they bought things. Yeah, too. Uh-huh. So you got their legacy and that's true. Uh, yeah. Is that Rihanna? Uh, I, I, I doubt know. it. Um, <laughs> but here we go. And then they explain things. And so, so I assume they sell condoms and some things like that. Um, cause it says sexual wellness, which I think that's what it means. Um, it says intimacy. It's intimacy. I mean, there might be like lube and things like that. I don't remember what other things they sell. Um, and then we have, uh, yeah. Fashion accessories, which like I said, I think is a meaningful in, um, in Asia, Asia yeah. but then the other stuff, the digital gaming, hospitality, spirits, fragrance, skincare, that's potential for those things. But you know, I don't think they have a lot of it now, but let's they, Oh, they tell us exactly what it is. They sell. Yeah, I'm right. Mm-hmm. Condoms, lubricants, things like that. Um, CBD based. Yes, yeah. I saw that. They're going the with this craze. Stuff. So they got yeah. a couple of crazes. Going I don't on even here. know what that means either, because how is CBD beauty and grooming? It's transmitted through the blood. It goes through your skin into your bloodstream, and it uh, makes you I have beautiful. No idea. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't doubt that it is um, wellness or something. Look at this projected market size, twenty twenty four. Like, just this is very promotional. Well, that well, that's probably true, but I don't think they're going to suddenly start out selling Trojan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Direct Trojan or like one and two all around the world or whatever? What are they trying to? What's the valuation they're gonna? do this app. yeah it's not low so oh that's the one i like if we go up here this is even better gaming and lifestyle 1.4 trillion style and apparel 1.9 trillion yeah um oh they give their their earnings their sales estimates so, but yeah okay so then there's their 2020 estimate but as you'll see what it's really all in is style and apparel right am i right about that yeah 2.7 yeah. billion yeah so their um their revenues are 53 percent style and apparel and then 41%. That's retail sales. So they're just getting like um, royalties on mm-hmm. it. So like I said, I think if you look here, the, what's interesting is this is why I noticed it in the US and it stood out to me. I think that they actually have very high retail sales with a tiny royalty on Asia. And that's how they've made all this money. Mm-hmm. Right? So like, I mean, for instance, formal suits. Yeah. Like they're mentioning that as a major thing. I don't know that's not a thing in here. the US no, that yeah, a Playboy on your suit is not uh, a thing that's been around. I mean, I have not seen honestly playboy brand out you know as like a branded thing in decades in Uh the u.s in a major way um whereas this makes sense to me like the fact that these stuff these things existed that they're talking about in the um 
in the sexual wellness section, it, this is like stuff that's North America, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but this stuff, style and apparel is, is not, that must be Asia stuff. You can also tell, like I said, because their adjusted revenues are only a tiny fraction of the consumer retail sales. So they're actually selling the sexual wellness stuff, whereas they're just getting royalties mm-hmm. on the style and apparel. But if we look, um, we can see that, let's see where they're, they're doing their pricing. Let's see. Okay, hold on. So licensing model. Um, to own and operate. Why would they want to do that? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I mean, they're making $2.5 billion just licensing it, you know? Well, yeah, but their their license rates are low. I mean, their, their royalties that they're getting are low. So leading men's apparel brand in China, huge growth opportunity in women's and adjacent. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, three thousand retail points of sale. So obviously, it's very different in Asia from the mm-hmm. uh, from the United States. In China, from and the sometimes US. that happens too. Like sure. you don't, you know, oh, yeah, I don't no, know. Talk about regional stuff. That's true. Um, so that's their licensing business. Uh, Projecting their cash flows out to 2027. Wow. Yeah, they say assumes no renewals. Historical renewals is more than 95. percent So mm-hmm. um, I assume if they say assumes no renewals, that just means that no that nothing's coming off during that period. Uh, yeah. So they're the 40th largest licensing company there. Um, so obviously that's got to be Asia stuff because if there was much license in the U.S., we would see it just because your royalties are so low versus, I mean, like if you go up, we could just see what they're next to just to get an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Hershey, 20th Century Fox, uh, Weight Watchers, NFL, NBA, you know, mm-hmm. um, all those sorts of things. Uh, 2020, 17th largest right there with the NFL and NBA. So obviously not in the um, U.S. is that like that. It's got to be worldwide that they're bigger. Um, let's see. If you go down further, they're going to get the – there's their acquisition strategy. Um, I know – yeah, this is the one that – isn't this the one that's the uh, – yeah, lingerie and other stuff. So that's why I think they have a lot more women customers that they mentioned. Mm. Um, and then the financial overview here, maybe this will help. Okay. So the EBITDA and the revenue, they're both adjusted. Um, yeah, what are they adjusted for? Yeah, it, this is, do not include... Oh, you have to say do not no. include Yandy. Yandy was yeah. acquired by Playboy in December 2019. Yeah. Um, so $40 million in EBITDA uh, is their projection for 2021. Mm-hmm. Their actual... What was their actual last actual one? Are they done with 2019 here? Yeah, 11.7. Okay. Yeah. So you got $12 million in EBITDA, and the company is... Uh, if Let's go down and see if they tell us on this one. Um. They're expecting in what five years they said to get it to mm-hmm. 100 million. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but okay. Organic growth to $100 million of adjusted EBITDA target by 2025. Again, they're saying that it, we could, it's not even that cheap if I remember right, even based on that. If we go down, um yeah like where's the valuation here Can yeah you? i think we could get that from an article let's see um let's see uh you could what at least adding back here what are they doing awesome interesting um yeah some of the okay we have the balance sheet uh-huh so that could help us there um let's see 
Okay. Um, Here, let me look really quick and okay. see if we can find. Let's see. Oh, valued at four hundred fifteen million. Okay. What's well, so if they're projecting a hundred million in sales by in five years? No, they're expecting a hundred million in EBITDA in five years. Oh, okay. So they're expecting four times their EBITDA five years forward, but they're expecting about ten. This is about ten times their EBITDA right now. Um. Yeah. But I mean, if we look, so let's look at where their revenue and stuff is coming from right now. Um, it's, it didn't seem very cheap to me considering like what's the strong brand here and stuff. I don't know because maybe it's very strong in uh, China overseas. Right. But could it ever be created to do, to do other sorts of things in the U S and stuff that would be more successful. I mean, what the brand looks like right now is it's collecting royalties on stuff on, on apparel in China and it has a direct, uh, and it has a sexual wellness business. Mm -hmm. So I think what you've got, let's put CBD aside. Maybe that's what it is, but you've got condoms, lube, lingerie, and, um, like royalties on stuff in China with royalties on stuff in China being like 25 times bigger or whatever. But because your royalty is like 5% or whatever, it's basically the same as your profit contribution for the two of them. And they have other businesses, but that's basically it. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, as you can see, gaming licensing deals and all that stuff, maybe they're trying to do the same sort of things that they did before. Yeah, right. Um, so I just wonder what the brand is like and stuff. But for all I know, you know, one day there'll be a Playboy casino in, in uh, you know, that uh, offshore in China or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? But I just wondered if the brand had any relevance to people today and in different parts of the world and everything. Because I noticed that some people wearing the Playboy thing, I was like, wow, that. That's yeah, I've never seen that. Bunny. Yeah. Did you um like the show? You said you did like it. Yeah, right? no, I really liked the show. I thought that the show. So was- you know what's crazy? Looking at this, this just shows how strong actually the um, Kylie Jenner's like lipstick line or whatever that right. they sold to is it Cody Caddy? Yeah, Cody. What is C O T Y? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I forget how much they sold it for, but I'm pretty sure they were doing more. Like they were doing a lot in revenue in, in EBITDA. Oh yes, yeah. some know. of the beauty. And, but she was the, doing it all from social media. Well, that if, was her. Yeah, you know. if you look, that's how they plan to grow it. I think is what they said. Is that that's part of their focus now? Is that their their uh, beauty and grooming thing? As they said, is that a big thing? Is that they plan to do it more direct through social media and things like that? Mm-hmm. Again, though, getting back to like the followers and stuff. I mean, look at her. She. I'm reading Unfiltered, mm-hmm. which is a book about Instagram, and they're yeah. talking about how it changed the way that a lot of companies market and they used her as right. an example, how, when they started it and she, um, I guess like Chris Jenner said, when Kylie was talking about starting a new lipstick line or whatever, Chris Jenner was like, well, you, if you're going to buy a bunch of product, it better be three colors that you're okay to wear for the rest of your life in case they don't sell, <laughs> you know, so it's not always, I think being facetious, whatever. And then they launched and she would post a video basically saying, Hey guys, like I just, mm-hmm. it's the Kylie collection, or whatever uh, it's, it's, you know, they're all in stock. And then like within seconds, it would just be gone because I mean, they have so much of a brand loyalty, you know, and people yeah. just buy whatever they push. And then, yeah, she ended up selling it. But I mean, I think they had like a 10 person team and mm. the marketing was just her po- posting videos on Instagram, basically saying that it's back in stock. I mean, it's insane. Crazy. So that's, he, that's funny that Playboy's coming public though, by a SPAC. Yep. They, you know, they so the Cooper the right after I follow, yeah. they, they must've sold then. Okay. Because I know well, he they sold the private equity. Yeah. 
Yeah, I followed this company when it was a public company before, uh, which I believe uh, is it. What's her name? Christy Hefner? Or the yeah, Christy Hefner. Yeah. yeah, she was running. Yeah, because yeah. um, I remember then it had some assets that were kind of pretty strong versus the um, the market cap of the business and stuff. So I did look at it then, um, but it was really in decline, obviously, in those mm-hmm. things and stuff. And she had to really focus it down by like they mentioned a little bit in the. A uh, serious thing is that, like, once they had lost the casinos and things, it was like you got to really refocus on being a media business and stuff. And basically, that's how you got to try to make money instead of it seemed like they were losing a lot of money for years. In when they had success with one thing, they just allow it to fund the other mm-hmm. stuff, you know. When they were talking about Instagram and people would ask them, How are you going to make money? Mm-hmm. And they would say, Well, it's the same way. It's just like magazines. Right. Instead of ads being on, you know, a magazine, they'll be on your phone. And yes. That's what it is now, really. Mm hmm. Unless you're Jeff Gannon and don't have a cell phone. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Cool. I definitely never had Instagram. <laughs> that is very true. Um, okay. So, yeah. That's a good recommendation. I Like I said, I watched that a couple of years ago. And I really liked yeah. it. So, so where else could it. you get things about COVID and Playboy, our thoughts on COVID and Playboy than here? On That's the right. Private, the private uh, weekly one. Just the premium episodes. So, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in and being a premium subscriber. Like I said... If you haven't downloaded the app, go download it. It's great. You'll get notifications from us every time that we upload. Um, And we appreciate your support so much. And we have a lot of ideas planned for this to make it worth it. And we definitely are thankful that you signed up for the app. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with the two of us on this premium episode. And we will see you in the next podcast.